Well, good morning. It is good to see you all uh, this morning. Uh, tomorrow is President's Day. Does anybody have President's Day off of work or school tomorrow? Yeah, a handful of us. Yeah, the others are boo. Uh, I have President's Day off tomorrow. Mondays are my day off, so I, I get tomorrow off uh, as well. And so I thought with President's Day uh, being tomorrow that we could go ahead and start this morning uh, by me sharing some fun facts about some of our previous presidents. So I'll give you guys 10 fun facts about some of the presidents that we've had in the past. First one is George Washington was the only president who was unanimously elected. Every other president after George Washington, it was not a unanimous vote or among the electoral college, it was not unanimous. George Washington was the only president who was elected unanimously. Number two, James Madison and Thomas Jefferson were once arrested together. Did you know that? Were once arrested together for taking a carriage ride on a Sunday in the countryside of Vermont. That was forbidden back then in the state of Vermont to uh, take a carriage ride on Sunday. And uh, James Madison and Thomas Jefferson were both arrested together. Two presidents getting into trouble together. Boy, oh boy. And number three, six presidents were named James. That, that blew my mind. There's James Madison, James Monroe, James Polk, James Buchanan, James uh, Garfield, and James Carter, also uh, kind of known as Jimmy Carter, but his real name is James. So six presidents were named James. Fact number four, James Madison was the shortest president. Anybody have any guesses for the shortest president? Oh, wow, you, you guys are not making this as impressive as I thought. Uh, it's five foot four inches. I mean, I mean that's pretty small. But in the, the, the more staggering part is he never weighed more than 100 pounds. Never. That, that blew my mind. I mean, I'm kind of a small guy, and, and I definally uh, a, a good bit ahead of that 100-pound that mark, around 150. And this guy didn't even weigh over 100 pounds. That's incredible. That was a small dude. I like to hang out, or hang out with him. He make me look big. Uh, <laughs> uh, fact number five, James Garfield. This fascinated me, too. James Garfield could write Latin with one hand and Greek with the other simultaneously. That's pretty impressive. I don't even know if I could uh, write two separate English words at the same time with opposite hands, but he could write one in Latin and one in Greek at the same time. Teddy bears were so named when Theodore Teddy Roosevelt refused to shoot a small bear club. Well, that, the news spread and the incident was reported uh, and it inspired a toy manufacturer to, hey, let's make teddy bears. And so now we have teddy bears. We can thank Theodore Roosevelt for having the peaceful heart towards that uh, small bear cub. And now we have teddy bears. Thank you, Teddy. Uh, fact number seven, Abraham Lincoln was the first president to be photographed at his inauguration. On top of that, in the same photo was John Wilkes Booth, his future assassin. That's pretty uh, interesting. Fact number eight, Woodrow Wilson would paint his golf balls uh, black during the winter so he could still play in the snow. <laughs> that reminds me of Larry Dickerson. And Larry, he just goes down to Florida so he can play golf. I don't know if he's ever considered painting his golf balls black so he could play in the winter and play in the snow. Uh, John Tyler, uh, former president, he had eight kids with his first wife 
and then seven kids with his second wife after his first wife had passed away. So he had 15 kids. And his second wife was 30 years younger than him, and he had his last kid at the humbling age of 70. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> and so the, la the last fact that I have for you guys is no president has ever been an only child. Another interesting, are, are there any only children here? Wow, none of us? Oh, Brian, you're not fit to be a president, Brian, I'm sorry. <laughs> the rest of us, oh, we are fit. Man, I'm dogging on you today, Brian, I'm sorry. Uh, but throughout your life, uh, you, you've probably had presidents that you were a big fan of, and you've probably had some presidents that also uh, weren't necessarily your favorite. Um, and probably some names are popping through your head of some presidents you like and some presidents uh, that you dislike or weren't your favorite. And sometimes it, it can be tricky for us as Christians to know how we are to deal with presidents that aren't necessarily our favorite. Presidents that we don't necessarily are making the best decisions for our country. And how as Christians, you know, some of us may, may have some unchristian ways in which we deal with it, but how as Christians can we appropriately deal with having a president or someone else in charge over us that isn't necessarily maybe our, our, our favor or we aren't necessarily a big fan of them? And Paul tells us exactly what to do in the, first, uh, in the book of 1 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, you can start to look for the book of 1 Timothy uh, near the back. But before we, we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I need to give you guys a, a bit of background uh, as far as Paul and uh, the leaders that he had. So Paul, if you didn't know, Paul, uh, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Uh, that's nearly half. There's 27 books in the New Testament. And Paul wrote 13, so nearly half of the books of the New Testament. Now, Paul, he didn't have a president. You know, we have presidents, currently President Trump, and before that, Obama and Bush, and, and all these previous presidents before us. But Paul, the apostle, he didn't have a president. Per se, but instead, Paul had an emperor. And during much of Paul's ministry, uh, when, when he was writing these letters and doing, uh, and really much of his life as a Christian, because he spent the, the big chunk of his life as a devout Jew, but when he converted to Christianity, uh, he had pretty much the emperor for most of his ministry. And, and he had the emperor Nero during the time in which he wrote the book of 1 uh, Timothy. Is anybody familiar with, with the emperor Nero or heard of Nero before? Only a couple of us. Uh, if you were in our Sunday school class, you would have heard that as Mark talked uh, briefly about Nero. I mean, he, he seems to always know what I'm going to preach on and, and spoils it for our class. So way to go, Mark. Um, if you want to spoil it to my sermons, come join us here at 930 in the morning for our Sunday school class. But Nero, uh, he was an emperor of the Roman Empire because Paul, he lived within uh, the Roman Empire and he was actually a Roman citizen himself. The Roman Empire was by far the most powerful nation of its time. And some would even claim that Rome was possibly uh, the, the most powerful nation in the history compared to the other surrounding nations. Rome was a very impressive uh, uh, empire, a very impressive nation, and Nero was one of the many emperors of the empire of Rome. Now, Nero, if you do not know this, Nero, he was quite an evil man. 
he was notoriously known for being an evil man. I mean, this guy was so evil that he killed his own mother. He killed his own mother. I mean, he started, uh, he started to be the king or, or the emperor of Rome when he was 16 years old. So I imagine he had this huge ego and, and all these problems uh, going on, extremely selfish, extremely uh, egotistical. But he was, he, he was very evil, killing his own mother. And he was notoriously known uh, for, for the way in which he dealt with Christians. Now, Christians, uh, these Christ followers, it was a brand new movement in the time uh, Emperor Nero uh, uh, was established. Nero uh, became the emperor of Rome at around 50 AD. And now that that was just about 20 years after Christ died. And so this movement of Christianity is brand new when Emperor Nero came on and, and he dealt with the Christians in an awful and notorious way. He hated them. During gladiator matches, you, you may know that the Roman Empire, they, they had gladiator matches and they would show off um, some impressive uh, soldiers or, or uh, humiliate some people. And, and often during these gladiator matches, he would often throw these Christians into these pits or around the, these massive coliseums. And he'd throw these Christians into the pits just to get them eaten up by lions. I mean, he hated them. Oftentimes, Nero, he, he would have a garden party, uh, and, and you would often have a party at, at night, and, and they didn't have the light bulb, so, so they needed to uh, provide light somehow, so they'd often have torches or candles of that, some, of that sort. But Emperor Nero, he created torches out of Christian bodies. He, he, he would light these Christian bodies on fire to create light for these garden parties that he had. So, so Nero hated Christians. I mean, I mean, that is not an understatement. And, and, and most notably in 64 AD, which was likely right after Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy. In, in 64 AD, Nero burned down two-thirds of the capital city of Rome. Now, Rome was his capital city. It was the capital city of the Roman Empire. And here, Nero, he burned two-thirds of the capital city of Rome. Some people thought that, that uh, possibly his motivation was that he wanted to rebuild it and because uh, he was a big e- egotistical guy and get all the glory and fame. And he set the, the city of Rome on fire, this huge capital city, the most powerful capital city in the world, and he burned two-thirds of it. And then he goes to blame the Christians for it because he needed a scapegoat because nobody would have been a fan if Nero said that he uh, admitted to, to burning the city. So instead of admitting the truth, he said that these awful Christians burned down the city of Rome. And that caused so many Christians problems in the first century AD. So many Christians were harmed or even killed because of this lie that Nero told that these Christians burned down the city of Rome in 64 AD. So Nero, he was an evil, evil man, so evil that he was willing to kill his own mother, and he hated Christians. And this movement of Christianity would have been so fragile because it was a brand new movement, because Christ just lived 20 years ago before Nero took the throne as the emperor of Rome. And Paul, again, Paul lived in the Roman Empire. 
He was a Roman citizen by birth, and he did a lot of his ministry in the large Roman Empire. The Roman Empire stretched all the way over towards Spain, and it stretched all the way over to the east uh, towards Israel and beyond. So they had a big empire, and Paul lived in uh, the, the Roman Empire, and he was a Roman citizen by birth. And so here we have Paul, who was a Christian, living under the rule of an evil, evil man who hated Christians. I mean, throughout all of the history of America, we have, we have not had a president even come close to the, uh, to the audacious uh, actions that Nero did. But here, Paul writes in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, what we're to do with our leaders, the, those who have authority. And again, we have to remember, Paul had the worst of the bunch with Emperor Nero. But here in chapter 2 of the book of 1 Timothy, as Paul is writing to Timothy again, uh, shortly before uh, Nero would have burned down the city of Rome, um, but still he, he hated the Christians, burning the Christians, um, putting them in the gladi- gladiator matches, and so on. And so in chapter 2 of verse 1, as Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So here Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, he says, First off, Timothy, I I have to urge you. I, I have to strongly recommend that you pray for all people. All people, that you pray for them, that you give thanksgiving to them, that that you intercede for them, and and that you provide prayers or supplications for them. Paul thought that Timothy needed to pray for all people of the world, everybody that he knew. But on top of that, Paul said especially, he said, for kings and all who are in high positions. So here Paul says that, yeah, hey, Timothy, you need to pray for, for all people. But then he goes on to say specifically to pray for kings and everyone who is in a high position. Basically, anyone who has authority over you, you should be praying for them. And, and, and that kind of blows my mind that Paul would write this uh, about praying for our leaders, praying for those, praying for the king, praying for those who had authority over us. And Paul says you need to pray for them. When Paul himself had the worst, or maybe not the worst, but one of the worst emperors in the world. An emperor who hated Christians. An emperor who hated Paul and his fellow Christians, his fellow Christ followers. And here Paul says in verse 3, this is good. This is good for you to pray for the kings and those uh, in high positions, those who have authority. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of of God, our Savior. Paul says that it is pleasing to God when we pray for those who have authority. Paul says it's pleasing to God when we pray for the kings of the world, when when we pray for the people who have authority over us. That pleases God. That pleases God. And again here, uh, Paul doesn't say, you know, when you're praying for all people, don't just pray. He, he doesn't say, you know, pray for some people, pray for some of the kings. No. Paul says, pray for all. If you don't know all, that, that basically means everyone. 
not leaving a single person out, not leaving Emperor Nero out himself. Here Paul is telling Timothy, that, listen man, you need to pray for all kings, and that includes Emperor Nero. <laughs> Which is crazy to think about praying for a man who is trying to kill you. I mean, that, that, that must have been hard to do for Paul. Paul, who has been in prison, will be in prison multiple times by the Roman Empire. And if you didn't know, Paul was killed by the Roman Empire for his beliefs as a Christian. And here Paul says that we're to pray for those people, those people who are making decisions to kill Christ's followers. I mean, that is crazy. That blows my mind. But here Paul says that it pleases God to do so. It pleases God when we pray for those, when we pray for the kings. Now, now again, we, we don't really have many kings today in our time, but kings were quite uh, common back then, king. They could be the king uh, of a whole nation, but often they, they would talk about a king as just a little city, kind of like what we would think of as a mayor or a governor. They, they had, basically, Paul here is talking about anybody who has authority, anybody uh, who is in a position uh, to tell you what you can or can't do. And, and here Paul says that we are to pray for them, pray for the people and who, who are kings, and pray for the people who are in high positions. And Paul says uh, in, in verse 2 as he continues, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Here Paul tells Timothy that you should be praying for these kings and for these people in high positions that we may lead, that we may live a quiet life, that we may live a godly life and dignified in every way. So here Paul basically is telling Timothy that, that hey, when you're praying for these kings and you're praying for these people in high positions of authority, pray that we can live in a stable society that allows us to focus on and worship God. And praise the Lord that we do live in a society that allows us to, to, to worship God and to focus on God. Pray, praise the Lord we live in a society and a nation where we can come here together as fellow Christ followers and we can worship God and the Son, Jesus Christ, without the fear of being persecuted. Praise the Lord. Now, unfortunately, that wasn't common back in Paul's time. That was not common as, again, people like Emperor Nero, he, he, they, they heavily persecuted the Christians. Paul himself, being a man who heavily persecuted the Christians before he was converted, before he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And not only back then did many people not have that freedom, that privilege of worshiping God without the fear of persecution, but the truth of the matter is a lot of people today in this world don't have the privilege, don't have the honor don't have the huge blessing to worship God without the fear of being, uh, of being persecuted. They, 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 they don't get to lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way without the fear of persecution. Uh, my dad does a lot of work with LHI, uh, Lord's Harvest International, um, our conferences, uh, missions work outside, uh, most notably outside of the states. And, and there's lots of people uh, that, that come into contact with him or LHI or the conference that are living in places that, that they're experiencing persecution. 
Uh, Maxim, a guy uh, many, some people may be familiar with in Russia, he's being heavily per- persecuted for his beliefs. Uh, there, there, we have some churches in Pakistan that have to go in hiding because in the Middle East, uh, being a Christian uh, isn't the, necessarily the most safe thing in the world. So there's people today in our world, today in our day and age, that don't have that privilege to live in a society, to live in a nation where they, they can lead a peaceful and quiet life, uh, godly and dignified in every way, without the fear of being persecuted. So Paul here again, as, as he's uh, writing this letter to Timothy, as he's saying, uh, under the reign of the emperor Nero, who hated Christians, he said that we have to pray for all leaders. We have to pray for all kings. We have to pray for everyone who is in high positions. And again, I mean, this can seem like a, a mild remark, but when we think about the context, this is an extreme mark that, that Paul was making here. Under the reign of Nero, Paul said that we had to pray for everybody. And, and how, are to, how are we to retaliate as Christ followers against these evil dictators? Paul tells us to pray. That's how we deal with leaders we're not a fan of. Paul says to pray for them. Pray for the likes of Emperor Nero. Pray for the likes of our government. Pray for the likes of, I dare say, Hitler. Back when he lived uh, a couple generations ago. Pray for the likes of Hitler and these other awful people. That's how how we as Christians retaliate these people, these wicked people. As Paul says, we are to pray for them. Not only are we to pray for them, but it pleases God. It pleases God. We pray for people who have authority. That's how Paul chose to combat this evil emperor was through prayer. Paul, Paul, Paul wasn't necessarily um, a, a very violent man, at least not uh, after uh, he converted to his belief in Jesus. But Paul, the way he retaliated was through prayer. And again, he, he was dealing with, with some of the worst of the worst and we today in, in our society, uh, it's quite mild to what Paul was dealing. Now, now I understand that some of us in here may, may not be the biggest fan of uh, President Trump. Some of us may not be the biggest fan of President Obama when he was a president. Some of us may not be the biggest fan of Clinton or even Nancy Pelosi. But the truth of the matter, I don't care. I don't care. Because Paul tells us here that we are to pray for them. That we are to pray for the people who have authority over our lives. Yeah, I, I understand that, that a lot of them, every, every single one of our presidents have made poor decisions from time to time. But the way we combat that is by praying for them. And not praying that, oh, get so-and-so out of the office. No, here, here we're, we're to pray with a sincere heart and pray for their own well-being. So again, I don't, I don't care if you dislike Trump. I don't care if you disliked Obama. I don't care if you dislike Clinton. I don't care if you dislike Nancy Pelosi. What I care about is if you are praying for these people who need our prayers. <laughs> they need our prayers. This nation needs Christians to rally and pray for the leaders of our nation. Pray for their well-being. 
Because the, the same government that, that threw Paul in jail multiple times and the same government that, that ultimately killed Paul for his belief, Paul says that we need to pray for them. Pray for those people. Pray for our government. Pray for those who are in, who are in high authority. Pray for those who are in high places. And we are nowhere close, again, nowhere close to where Paul was in the evil dictator that he had in Nero. So if Paul was encouraging his fellow Christ followers to, to pray for Emperor Nero, then surely, surely we can pray for Trump. Surely we can pray for President, or former President Obama. Surely we can pray for Clinton. Surely we can pray for Nancy Pelosi. Surely we can pray for our government. And again, I understand that some of you may not be the biggest fan of some of the politicians, myself included. I'm not the biggest fan of some of the politicians, but I am commanded, I am urged to pray for those same politicians that I'm not a big fan of. Because I can assure you, Paul would not have been a big fan of Emperor Nero. Paul would not have been a big fan of Nero burning Christians for their human torches and sending Christians into the gladiator pit just to be eaten by lions. But here, regardless, Paul tells us to pray for kings and pray for those who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so we are to pray for those who, who have a position of authority over us. And so I kind of broke this down into uh, different sections. Um, we, we, we have uh, different groups that we can pray for. But if you, if you could go to the next uh, slide there, um, there we're going to talk about different groups of people uh, that we can pray for, different groups of people that have authority over us. The first one is uh, the, the national government. The first person that we can be praying for is President Trump. I, ho I hope that we're all praising uh, praying for President Trump and praying that he makes wise decisions, praying that he leads uh, and lives a godly life. The second person we can pray, be praying for is our future president. And, and again, many of us are not, may not like the future president. Some of us may love our future president. We don't know who our future president is going to be, but I urge you to start praying now for our future president. Start praying now that they'll make wise decisions, that they will live a godly life. The next group of people, kind of the next two groups of people that we could pray for are the Senate and the House of Representatives, the, 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 the large group of people who make important decisions, make, make important decisions based on the bills um, that, that may affect our lives. And I pray that you pray for them. Pray for the people of the Senate. Pray for the people of the House of Representatives. And yes, pray for Nancy Pelosi. Pray, pray for these politicians because they need our prayers. And let me tell you, it pleases God when we pray for these people. Last group of, of people that we, that we can pray for in the national government is our Supreme Court. Pray for, for these important judges that make such important, difficult decisions that impact people's lives for the rest of their life. Pray for the Supreme Court that they can have the wisdom and, and, and the knowledge and that they can live and lead a godly life. And so I, I hope and encourage you all to pray for our national government. Uh, I, I, I've often in the past prayed for um, our, our presidents, presidents of the past, current presidents, but it was kind of empowering. I, I don't think previously I've ever prayed for the Senate, or if I've ever prayed for the House of Re Representatives, or, or if I've ever prayed for the Supreme Court. Let me tell you, it felt good. It felt empowering to pray 
for the House of Representatives. It felt empowering to pray for the Senate. It felt empowering to pray for the Supreme Court. And truth of the matter, it felt empowering to pray for, for even Nancy Pelosi, someone I may not necessarily totally agree with. It was empowering. And it felt good knowing that I was pleasing God. Because Paul tells us that it pleases God when we pray for those who are in high positions. So you can go to the next slide. So pray for our national government. Next group of people that we can pray for is the local government. We, we can be praying for uh, Mike DeWine. But before, I, I'm, I'm a bad American citizen. Before this week, I didn't even know this guy existed. And he, uh, he was my governor. Uh, we, we, we can be praying for the re representatives of Clark and Champaign County. Again, I didn't know any of these guys existed. Bill Dean, Kyle uh, Kohler, I don't know if I'm even saying his name right, or Nino Vital. We could be praying for these people that they are making wise and, and, and good decisions, leading a, a, a godly life. We can pray for Warren Copeland, the, the mayor of Springfield. And these are, are probably definitely people. I'd be surprised uh, if more than a couple of us have prayed for any of them of these people in here. Surely, people I've never prayed before in my life before this week, but let me tell you, it felt good to pray for these people. It felt good to pray for the people uh, who, who are basically our kings, basically people who are on high places, high positions above us. It felt great. It felt great knowing that I was pleasing God to pray for these people, praying for our local government. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they want to have an impact on politics. And, and, and my thing is, if you want to have an impact on politics, then start praying. I think that is the biggest impact that we can have as Christians in, in, in the political world is to pray. Pray for our leaders. If you want to make a difference in, in our government and our politics, then, then pray. Pray for our leaders, pray for our president, the Senate, the House of Representatives, the Supreme Court, and our local government as well. And, and, and I think you will begin to make a, a change, a, a difference. You know, uh, oftentimes prayer is the last mode of influence that Christians turn to when dealing with politics. People turn to name-calling, they turn to protesting, boycotting, fighting to go in the op opposite direction. Not, not that any of those are necessarily good or bad. Name-calling, probably, probably not a, a good thing. Um, but not necessarily that those are good and bad. But my question is, why do, we, why do we resort to those before we as Christians resort to praying to the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth? That should be the first way in which we seek to influence the government is by prayer. And again, I don't know why we don't. I don't know why as Christians there, there, there's not a, a bigger call, a bigger plea for Christians to pray for our government. I don't, I don't know if it's because just Christians in general don't believe in the power of prayer. I, I, I don't know if people just don't find it important to pray for these people. I, I don't know. But I strongly encourage each and every one of us to, to pray for our government. You can, you can flip to the next slide. The next group of people uh, that, that we can be praying for, people uh, in high positions, is, is the Church of God of, of the General Conference. Um, any of you guys probably familiar, uh, very familiar with, with, with the first name on that list. Seth Ross, uh, the, the guy uh, who, who was here as a pastor for 20 years. Uh, he, he moved as, as he felt God was calling him to go down to Atlanta, Georgia, to be the president of the Atlanta Bible College and the director of the Church of God General Conference. And so certainly, certainly, we should all be praying for Seth. 
We should all be praying for Seth, that, that, that Seth makes wise decisions, that he's living and leading a godly life, that, that we can pray for his leadership skills. So I encourage us all to pray for Seth and pray for, for, the, for the conference in general. Next uh, on the list is the board of directors and our conference. And I failed to mention that, that we North Hills were, were part of a group of churches um, called the Church of God um, General Conference, uh, which hold similar beliefs in the oneness of God, the sleep of the dead, um, the, the uh, baptism by immersion. And we all hold to these uh, beliefs. And uh, Seth, uh, the guy who was here, um, which is pretty cool, uh, he, he's leading the conference. Next on the list is the board of directors. We, we have a couple people uh, throughout the country, uh, I believe it, it's either seven, eight, or nine, um, that uh, make important decisions for this conference. And I encourage you to pray for the board of directors. Joe Myers, who some of us may be familiar, familiar with, he's currently uh, the, the, the chairman of the board. The next group of people that we can pray for is the LHI committee, uh, something that I'm uh, somewhat passionate about as uh, Rick McLean. That, that's my father as, as he is currently uh, heading uh, LHI, Lord's Harvest International. Again, that, that's our foreign missions work uh, within our conference. So pray for the LHI committee because it's not just him. There, there's a big group of them that make important decisions. And pray for the whole LHI committee that, that they are, are, are making wise decisions, that they're leading and living a godly life. And the last group that we can pray for for the Church of God General Conference is Turning Point Youth Ministries. That's, that's the, our youth ministry in the conference. John Winkapaw, he, he's currently the head of that. That's the same uh, organization that often uh, puts on fuel, uh, which uh, many of our youth go to, our national youth camp, something that I uh, have loved, one of the, the highlight of my year, year in and year out. So, so pray for the Turning Point Youth Ministries as well as they're dealing uh, with the youth, which is very important. You go to the next slide. I also uh, ask that you pray for the leaders of the North, North Hills Church, uh, uh, as I hope uh, that uh, you, you allow the church to have some sort of authority in your life as well. And, and I'm going to ask you all to pray for me. Pray for me as a pastor. As a pastor, Pray for me that I can make wise decisions. Pray for me that, that, that I can develop my leadership skills. Pray for me that uh, I, I can live and lead a godly life and bring in as many people into God's kingdom as possible. So I encourage you, pray for me. I, I'm not bashful about asking that. I believe in the power of prayer, and I love for each of you guys to pray for me. I also encourage you guys to pray for our elders, Brian, Mark, uh, and, and John, our three elders. I encourage you to pray for them as they, uh, they make important decisions within the church, as they're the, spirit, the spiritual overseers of the church. And then finally, I also ask that you pray for our ministry leaders. We, we, we are, you're filled with people sitting to your right and your left and the front and behind of you that are, are in charge of different ministries throughout the church. We have Jen, who's in charge of the music. Vicky, who's in charge of the outreach. Rachel's dealing with the junior church. Stan deals with the greeters. And I'm not going to mention them all because I'm going to forget some people. But we have lots of people who are ministry leaders within our church. And I encourage you to pray for all the leaders of ministry within our church as, again, they, they are in a high position of this church, and I hope this church has some sort of authority in your life. And so the last slide that we have is your personal lives as well. Um, uh, kids, I, I encourage you to pray for your parents. As your parents, yes, uh, they, they have authority over you. Um, in a sense, they are kind of like your kings or queens. Uh, they, they are put in a high position above you. Your parents love you. 
Uh, they, they care for you. I'm starting to understand that, the love that a parent has for a child. And, and youth, I, I encourage you to pray for your parents. Um, and, and you uh, who are older as well, pray for your parents, if they are still living as well, as they still love you, uh, whether you know it or not. I also encourage you, those who are in the workforce, uh, to pray for your bosses. Pray for your bosses that they make wise decisions, that, that they may live and lead a godly life because, again, they were put in a position above you in the workforce and pray for them. And then finally, if you're in school as well, pray for your principals and teachers as, again, they are put in a position above you. And so these are uh, the, the different groups of people that we can pray for in our life, uh, pray for people who are put in a position of authority over us. And I encourage you all to pray for each and every one of these groups. Pray for our national government. Pray for our local government. Pray for uh, uh, the Church of God Journal Conference. Uh, pray for North Hills. And pray for uh, the, the leaders and those who are in authority in your personal lives as well. And I'm sure there's more people that you can think of that have authority over you. And I encourage you to pray for them. Because again, Paul, in all that he dealt with, with Emperor Nero... He said to pray for all people in high positions, not to just to pray for the people we like, not to just pray for the politicians that we like, not to just to pray uh, for the church leaders that we like, but to pray for all, to pray for all people, to pray for all kings, to pray for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so I'd encourage you, as you're praying for all these different leaders, I, I would encourage you to pray for, for three things. Number one, I encourage you to pray that they may have wisdom. Wisdom, uh, no, knowing right from wrong. A wisdom different from knowledge, um, uh, but wisdom knowing right from wrong. And, and, I, and I encourage you to pray for your leaders that they have great wisdom. They can make the right decisions, as leaders often make a, a, a lot of decisions. Second thing is I encourage you uh, to pray that they develop leadership skills, that they are better able to lead their people, lead, lead their group of followers. And finally, and, and most importantly, by far most importantly, I pray that you ensure that the leaders are God-honoring, God-fearing, and Christ-following. I encourage you to pray for the leaders in your life, whether it be the national government, local government, or the church, that you pray that they may be God-honoring, God-fearing, and Christ-following. Three things that you can pray for your leaders today. And again, uh, I went through, prayed for, for all these people here um, on this list. And, and uh, truth, truth of the matter is, a lot of these people I've never once prayed before in my life, before this week. But let me tell you, it felt so good. It felt so empowering to pray for some of these people, some of these people in high positions. And I'd strongly encourage you guys to pray for those who are in high positions, whether or not you are a fan of them. Because again, I don't care. Paul doesn't care. God doesn't care. <laughs> and that's what matters. God doesn't care. God wants each and every one of us to pray for those who are in high positions, whether or not you are a fan of them. And so this is how we support leaders we like, and this is also how we combat leaders or support leaders that we don't like, is to pray for them. So pray for our leaders. And I hope that each and every one of us does that this week and in the weeks coming and the years coming, to pray for your leaders in your life. And I'm telling you, 
Uh, it feels good. It feels good to pray for your leaders. It feels good to pray for the government. It feels good to pray for the church. So please, please do that because Paul tells us, he says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you uh, for uh, the leaders uh, that you've placed uh, over our lives. Uh, Father, I pray uh, that you be with the national government. I pray that you be with President Trump. I pray that you be with our future presidents and uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives and, and the Supreme Court as well. And Father, I just pray that you bless them all uh, with your perfect wisdom. I pray that you give them leadership skills. And, and Father, most importantly, I pray that they can be God-honoring, that they, that they can fear you, and that they can follow your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I also pray for the local government. And I pray for the leaders here in Ohio and in Clark County and Champaign County. And I pray that you bless them with your wisdom and leadership skills. And that they may be God-honoring, God-fearing. That they can seek your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I also pray that you be with the Church of God Journal Conference and North Hills as well. And I pray that you be with us as leaders. That we can, uh, that, that you grant us, that you grant your leaders um, with your wisdom that you grant your leaders uh, with your leadership skills, and that you grant your leaders uh, with, with, with a sense uh, to honor you in a sense uh, that they fear you in a healthy manner, in a sense that they want to seek your son and follow your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for this church and the leaders that you have placed here, and I pray that we can continue to grow closer to you and to expand your coming kingdom. And Father, we love you, and all the people said, amen.